Sweet wiggle butt Don't run away Oh, Bortie, baby Let me kiss your face heard modern memes you can see them at kraken music festival in hollandale beach florida on november 9th
oh, hey, it's, it's me. It's, it's Kelsey. Um, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm fine. Like it's fine. It's fine. I'm totally fine. It's, it's fine. I'm totally here my own volition. Um, I'm just here cause I like podcasts. Um, anyway, enjoy the show. Bye. (laughs) Five minutes past 12 midnight. Red Fox. R E double D F O double Cross. Pronounced Red Topography! No one has ever gone to jail for screaming topography. With that big long sliding thing. Now, what do you suppose made me think of sex? You know the meaning of obscenity, don't you? Lousy bastard is a guy who sits and scratches while his parents are getting married. (laughs) Sometimes my baser nature gets the better of me. And that's the beast in you. That's my right, you see, as an American citizen, to discuss pork Yes, WBAI is the one who played them. Shit, Miss Buck, Hunt, Cock, Sucker, Motherfucker, and tip. From Sacramento, the heart of California, and around the world. Genuine Modern Radio. Radio Flom. On tonight's Radio Forum podcast, we pull back the curtain and take an unabashed look at falling at the Palm Theater in San Mateo, California. Plus, where did you use the lamentable and beyond? Trick volcano inside the jungle leaped with joy, as it were, at her own. The began to be dotted with beautiful flowers, astounded and my own was filled with happiness at the sight before me. And other moist harpsichord It was called Mozart's fiddle. Thank God, not mortal, but we're all up in the first man who has ball sack is Rodin of Washington. Hail. Firefighting facility note. VDE. Rodeostate.org. Columbus Library. Benson, York Beach. The Colin Lynette's. 2017. As it costs more at Chick-fil-A. So what are we doing? Last year, I wanted to tackle the insane censorship that happened on Tumblr and what was going on there. And so we set up, if you remember, a segment with Beat Girl at B-E-A-T-G-R-R-L, our awesome flamist in L.A., because we were texting back and forth about that. 
And if you remember, we had tech problems. This was before we had the awesome Squadcast. And recording issues sort of made the whole segment un unusable. So um, I remember in the segment that I wanted to use at the time, I freaked out and started babbling about the frustration of being censored. I mean, Tumblr was one of my main platforms for spreading educational thinking beyond the classroom. Like it was actually going to be part of my master's thesis. And so shit, stupid corporation fucks up Tumblr. Then it, another stupid corporation shuts down my school. And I was pretty pissed off last fall. So um, Dina, or I think it's pronounced Dana, clued us into the FOSTA-SESTA bill, which has now become law. And that went pretty damn deep and had a lot to do with why Tumblr made this really stupid decision. And so she clued us into this and it's about a year later and we've been, I've been digging around and I'm finding a lot of really bad things going on. So this is why we are only now doing our censorship episode. The way I see it is that we, you know, like you said, we had to wait for Squadcast. So it's been just this like chaos in technical issues sometimes or the amount of getting real content. And here in the third season, we finally have gotten to a place where we're comfortable that when we want to handle something with delicate care, we can. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff our first season that pretty much was either not recorded or deleted that never really made it on air. And so for anyone who decides to start a podcast, uh, technical issues are going to be your issue. Unless you're using squadcast.fm. That'll solve some of the problems. But I remember going up to broadcasting people I know and say, how do you guys deal with like half the shit you do not recording? I mean, remember when we had the Zoom microphone that we actually uh, checked out from uh, a library source? No, and I just talked about this last night, yeah, Chad. The the on button didn't work. It, it was actually missing and there was no way to turn the thing on. And it was checked out to us and I'm standing there with you trying to interview someone. I'm like, this is not gonna work. Uh, <laughs> it's not just tech issues. Like uh, last night, Chad and I brought a microphone to plug into my phone. I forgot the adapter at home. Sometimes it's just brain issues. Uh, but well, I feel like yeah. we're a little bit more prepared to double back on things and make sure at least we're thinking clearly so i would like to as we jump in here to thank beat girl for getting the ball rolling on this follow her on twitter and instagram it's at b-e-a-t-g-r-r-r-l she is totally embedded in the los angeles art scene and is reposting a lot of underground stuff <laughs> Challenging bluzwazi since 1923. Okay, well I'm Hamil and I'm the big gay, and I always found censorship to be pretty funny. To be completely honest, whenever the topic goes into censorship, people don't really think about the outcomes, how things are affected whenever there's these lockdowns on 
subjects and how people get around those locks. Japan is a great example of that. Whenever you think about it, it's usually either anime or hentai. And with hentai, it's always some giant monster and tentacles going after some schoolgirl in a skirt six inches too short. And that was actually part of the censorship law that was put down. So back in post-World War II, it became illegal if you were going to be drawing anything that you could not show a penis going into a vagina. It was not not going to be permitted. You would think if it's hentai that you'd need to show the goods, but no. That's no-no. You don't get that. It's not for you. This guy, it was about 1980, found his way around that, and it was just, well, shit, if I can't draw a penis going into a vagina, does a tentacle count? Like, well, no, because it's a tentacle. Well, what if I've got this big monster and he's got a horn? I put the horn into the vagina? Well, yeah, because still technically not a penis. And that's where a lot of it comes from, is just because it was unallowed to show a dick, just put anything else that you could possibly think about in there. So now that whole, you know, whenever you think about children, it's carried over as their stereotype, and it wasn't even something that they themselves started. It was not a law that they decided on. It was outside as part of the post-World War II laws that were cracked down on. So even, even if we don't think that the censorship law is going to do, you know, necessarily a lot of damage, I mean, that redefined literally how Japan is seen. Well, there's a handwriting on the wall. It's a handwriting on the wall. I see a handwriting on the wall. Socrates, you're giving the kids radical ideas and really fucking with our religion here. Drink this hemlock. The powers that be really do not like it when upstart troublemakers show up and poke holes in their carefully constructed societies we were chosen to live in. We should be honored, sit down, and do what we're told. Because anything beyond that, and maybe, just maybe, we might end up changing things. This is Jenny Soto, and I'm here taking a look at censorship. Sodom and Gomorrah wore a warning. Don't piss off that god person, because he can really be pissy about some things. Also, don't ever have sex. Don't eat shellfish. Always dress modestly. Never get inked. But luckily, Jesus invented not only guns, but the bullets that make them really useful, so it's totally okay. Jesus made figs into bullets. Wasn't as popular as the other stories. Pope Paul IV published the Index of Prohibited Books in 1559, just over a decade or so after the European invention of the printing press. European, because China already had that shit figured out. The Index of Prohibited Books was in regular circulation until 1966, keeping large groups of people totally safe from any non-approved doctrines. Because if there's one thing popes know, they know what makes literature awesome. 
In the early 1600s, Galileo Galilei, who had a shuttlecraft named after him on Star Trek, found publication of any of his works banned because he questioned the Earth's location in the solar system. In fact, he figured out that the sun was what we rotated around, not the other way around, and this kept him under house arrest late in life. Because when you're wrong, you're just plain wrong. Speaking of Star Trek, Giacomo Casanova was the original Captain Kirk, and the Marquis de Sade, the original Klingon. Like sadism and sadists are actually derived from his name. Dr. McCoy was pissed off about all of this and ended up sleeping with Spock. Like, piece it all together, you know it's true. And because it's in the future, none of this has happened yet. It's time to start placing those bets. The famous Lewis and Clark expedition, in addition to actually playing Oregon Trails for reals, spent a lot of free time fucking the Native Americans they encountered. Also, they introduced BD to the Pacific Northwest and actually have never really been thanked properly. Most of this was not known because the most popular published version of their journals, the abridged, boring edition, simply removed all references to sex. It wasn't until 2004 that someone finally published a much more reliable take on how Washington and Idaho was populated. And it was on the backseat of a slightly used Ford Expedition XLT with cruise control and heated fucking seats. Contrary to popular belief, Pocahontas actually wasn't part of the Lewis and Clark expedition, nor is she Elizabeth Warren. Popular belief. We have popular belief today. It's really a thing. When photography came along, it was the first time we could see humans close to how they were in real life. And right after, nude photography was invented. And then pornographic photography showed up, hidden in places the regular people would go, but not talk about amongst mixed company. Mm-mm. This was just about the same time health-inducing vibrators were first used in Ohio. This pattern follows throughout history, from filmmaking to the internet and smartphones who know a thing or two that could make even the most sexually obsessed Pope blush. Loose lips sink ships. Censorship during World War II was very important because it turned out President Roosevelt kept going on the radio for his fireside chats and giving away troop movements and asking foreign leaders to find dirt on John Nance Garner. The invention of Playboy magazine in the 1950s allowed women to have breasts, which they've never had before. Then in the 1970s, men discovered women had pubic hair and other genitalia that men didn't know what to do with. Magazines such as Penthouse and Hustler were the only places that would show this stuff, with pictures of women almost masturbating, which if they went further than that, society would actually literally collapse as a whole. Meanwhile, women would roll their eyes, knowing they don't need men in the first place and all of this was just stupid and silly. As we've seen over time, free expression of thoughts is dangerous and could actually bring entire societies to ruin. As a way to prevent things like this, certain humans will step in and decide what is good for us. And they've been doing this for a really long time, because they obviously know more than we do. Like why else would they be picked for such an important job? 
They often refer to as standards and practices experts and play their role best when they position themselves on a pedestal slightly higher than we are. Over time, they've been responsible for the Hayes Act, the Communist Scare, cancellation of the Smother Brothers Comedy Hour, German Nazis trying to take over the world and killing millions of people, some of the best jokes written by Al Franken on Saturday Night Life never making it on air, I'm talking about the placenta helper hamburger helper bit, Lenny Bruce and George Carlin being arrested for saying bad words while on tour, and Howard Stern being crucified by the FCC. Look it all up. And, of course, Fox News. Standards and practices people have also been responsible for the end of EC Comics in the 1950s and the establishment of the Comics Code Authority that the Amazing Spider-Man managed to poop on. In issues 96, 97, and 98, which involved the Green Goblin and his son's drug use. And book banning, which is still common practice today, especially when it comes to education, where students themselves cringe at the concept of assigned reading, which makes the standards and practices folks, and Fox News, oh so so forever happy. China is still censoring folks, so is Russia. But we all expect that. But also, so is Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and even Twitter. Because algorithms created by those important standards and practices, gatekeepers have decided that if you see the same damn post over and over and over every single time you log on to Facebook, maybe you won't realize how much you are no longer allowed to see. For your own good. I'm 
Swiss Dollface's cover of Sexy Back. Find Ella Dollface in Philadelphia on SoundCloud and as Cryptic Dollface on Instagram. You're listening to Radio Flom. Hi friends, uh, my name is Savannah. I usually react to people's secrets over on my Instagram stories. Um, my handle is at Pan, like Rapunzel and Peter Pan. Yeah, so they asked me to react to some people's secrets today and I have a few. So let's get started. Anytime I ride the bus, I get horny because of all the bumps, you know? I mean, whatever floats your boat. I get it. Uh, All right, next. uh, Somebody said, sometimes I look at myself and I think I don't look ugly. And you know, me too. That's a big mood. And then it swiftly goes away because then I remember what my face looks like. And I'm like, (laughs) uh, yeah. This next person said that they're planning on moving out of the country in the next year or two, and they're not telling anyone but a few close friends. And honestly, you're living my freaking dream. That is all I want to do. I just want to like live in like the Swiss Alps, like on the countryside. Just forget everything I knew and forget everybody I knew and only tell like a few people that I actually care about. And then they're just like, where did Savannah go? And then I just pop up in a few years and I'm like, I've been living my best life, bitches. Um, I just wanna live in a tiny house that just overlooks a small town in Swiss Alps. I just have a chicken farm. So live, live your best life. I'm so proud of you. All right, this next person said, I'm glad I'm not a sexual object. It frees me up to embrace my inner sassy pants. And you know what? Good for you. Like, you don't have to be a sexual object. You're not. No one's a sexual object. Like, if you want to embrace your inner, like, sexualness, that's all, that's all you. Like, you're not an object. You're, you want to be sexual, you can. Um, you don't have to be, you don't want to. Embrace your inner sassy pants. This person said that they're really into BDSM, but they're too scared to actually try it out. And all I have to say is fucking try it out. You just, you never know until like, try it. Um, You might not really actually be into BDSM, but just make sure you do it with somebody who is respectful and you trust and is going to be safe with you and everything and that is my only advice and next person said i sort of like the smell of skunk maybe because it reminds me of sage or weed i mean my favorite smell in the entire world is bleach uh so um this next person said that they can't ride a bike and um, that fucking sucks, my dude. Um, it's not that scary once you're like used to it, but you are, it does feel like you're like a thousand feet off the ground and that you're gonna fall constantly. But like, sometimes you just gotta fall, my dudes. You just gotta fall. All right, so this next one says, 
I play Ness and people like me for it. Wow. I'm so, cause I'm not a fan of Ness. So no playing Ness around me because I hate the stupid thing that he does. All right. Next, this person said, I had some romantic feelings for a coffee friend of mine, but never told them. <sighs> that was complicated. I've had that. I've, I've done that. I had, I mean, he probably knew. Everyone told him. But I had a crush on one of my coworkers. Um, it was a fucking stupid uh, crush. Like, yeah, I never told him. He knew because everyone else told him, but I never admitted it. And funny enough, he was my coffee coworker. So, I get that. All right. This one person said, my roommate's lip smacking is so bad that I have to leave the room every time she eats. And I'm just like, Godspeed to you. Uh, you're gonna have to find a new roommate. Sorry. And that's all you can do at this point. All right, so this next person says that they have a uh, crush on milk with the winky face. And wow, that's so cute. Love that. Gang crushes. We stand. Last one. I don't think this one goes off very far because it just says it went too long. With these Instagram uh, secrets, you can only do like a few characters minimum because it will cut off half of your story. But this person said, I had to audition for a mandatory class with a cold and now they're now I'm in an existential spiral of dot 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 dot. I'm so sorry that you had to do that in front of people with a cold. God seeds you. Yeah, it's an audition, so I hope you got it regardless of the cold. I'm sure you did great. Like, colds can't. <sighs> all right, um, that's all of the secrets I have today. Go ahead and uh, follow me on Instagram if you want to. Sometimes I do secrets there and I'll react to maybe your secrets. All right, bye. You are listening to Radio Flom. We have more amplitude modulation than you do. kind of sarcasm about the whole thing you're just sort of like i do children's books i post nudes and i think humans are very weird about nudes <laughs> and now steve mayallo talks to artist author illustrator and regularly published flomist ruby roth i'm here with ruby roth uh, you could read her posts on Der Tongue, our blog, and also you could find her at rubyroth.co. And when I first met you, of course, you're staying there and there's all these nude pieces around. It didn't even occur to me that you're standing amongst nude art. I'm just like, this is great stuff. I love it. It's beautiful oh, stuff. Thank you. you know, I don't even I don't even think of them as nudes. It is just happens to be that the primary source of my art education comes from figure drawing and drawing from life. And that is an age old study that goes back to the beginnings of art school.
whenever that was. <laughs> and um, artists have always been inspired by the female form in particular, but our bodies in general. It's one of the greatest teachers in my art career. And anything that I know about art primarily comes from drawing the figure. When you become an artist, the nude just comes along with it. And as Americans, we get so weird. In fact, John Stewart said once with a video game, the violence is okay. And he showed one of the most disgusting scenes I ever saw of a person being dismembered and stuff. And he's like, and it was a woman and when she was dismembered. But if her top came off, oh my God. And of course, her entrails are everywhere. Somehow we're okay with that. And other cultures don't see it the same way. Yeah. I've definitely learned that there's some venues and events where I can take the entirety of my work and show it, and people are cool with that. And then other events where I can see that as families walk by, parents see both, you know, nudes, big women goddess posters, and also a children's book section, and they don't know, you know, they grab the kid's hand and they're like, oh, we keep going. They don't know whether to come up close or not or what's going on. Um, and I think that is also the result of living in the digital age where everything is so curated and brand, people become brands, not even on purpose. Um, but if you step away from that brand, you're not recognizable anymore to the following that you've built. So we get used to people doing the same thing over and over and over again, but that's not really the reality of most artists and how they practice their art. Most people these days are wearing a bunch of different hats too. Um, I have my children's book hat and I have my graphic design hat and I've got my personal artwork hat and I, all of those things look may look different to some people. Uh, there's a through line and um, a line quality that I recognize in all of it. The post I want to link to is Fronting in the Age of Anger, because that's where I first saw your writing. And that article, which is probably the longest thing I have from you, you understand how the world is operating. How did you get to that point? I think that I've always just been more of an internal person than an external person. I'm, I'm more of an observer in every situation than I am a participant. Um, and that came from maybe my personality and I don't know, genetics, but one of the biggest factors was that um, I was diagnosed with scoliosis, which is a curvature of the spine when I was three. And I did electromuscle stimulation therapy for a couple of years and then wore a back brace, hard plastic back brace from collarbones to hips for 13 plus years, uh, 20 hours or more a day. So I had no choice but to be an internal person and to pay attention to what was going on inside my body. And I figured out very early what I know now to be the observer mind. Um, I remember thinking very young, I am not my body. And realizing that I was contained in this vessel that was being contained inside of another vessel, this brace, but that I was free inside of my head. And I could, I was exploring very young, like finding where it was uncomfortable and physical pain and going inward and trying to dissipate that pain 
um, just with my mind. And maybe I could for a second if I concentrated on the pain. Um, so that practice led me to be a sensitive, I was a sensitive person and sensitive internally to the mind body connection. And that led me to eat a certain way because I was physically sensitive. And that led me to veganism eventually. And that led me to the children's books that I wrote. And also being in that brace led me to be interested in the body. I was looking at my own x-rays from the time I was, you know, about four years old and fascinated by bones. And also, you know, maybe I wanted to live in a different kind of body that I didn't have. Um, and so I started drawing these very powerful women and uh, kind of superhero, kick-ass, badass girls and living vicariously through those bodies and those minds. I could so relate to that. I think we all do. I mean, everybody has a moment where they don't want to be in the body that that they're given for one reason or another. My thing that got me out of it was uh, originally the Buck Rogers TV series. I got my ethics from that series, 1980. And uh, I found the tapes recently and I'm watching it now. And I was going, oh, no wonder I had such a bad view of the world. The writing wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> But the characters had like really good moral values and they're about taking care of other people. I am big on the quiet students in the back of my classroom because I want to I want to see what's in their head because there's so much wonderful things going on as opposed to the students who are acting out in front of the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that there's just some great stuff in them. Some of them I try to convince to get used to talking on camera, talking on mics. One of my favorite students from the past who apparently was really quiet teaches improv today. Uh, and I love seeing that stuff. Yeah, that's a huge shift. That's like from introversion to extroversion. Yeah. What's the term? Ambivert. Uh, I, uh -huh. I was the quiet guy in the back of the classroom in high school, and I had friends in college who put me in embarrassing situations, and I, I now talk in front of a crowd. Yeah. And I found if you have like a thousand people in the room, it's even more fun, especially if they laugh at the right point. Right. <laughs> Lately, the, um, the pencil drawings that you're doing is practice. The way you learn this is practice, practice, practice. Um, it really is. I've been studying the figure since high school as far as taking classes and regularly drawing from life. And it is, I don't think you ever fully arrive. And it's a lifelong, lifelong endeavor. Find Ruby online at rubyroth.co, Instagram. You have an underline in there, don't you? Yes, it's Ruby underscore Roth. I went looking for you once and couldn't find you. <laughs> Where are you listening to Radio Flom? In your favorite easy chair? Or... Reminder, George O'Keefe... Living Modern, and the Jack Malati Retrospective at the Nevada Museum of Art in Reno closes October 20th, 2019. Tune in next week for the segment we were going to have in this week, but didn't. Info at nevadaart.org. It wasn't until my college years 
that I got into history and found out that most of the things that they were teaching us were not true. Even in things like our own revolution was not necessarily correct. You know, the, the massacre that happened when people were lobbing snowballs at the guards and going into that class and finding out that it wasn't snowballs. It was hard ice that was packed up with nails and rocks and broken glass and anything else sharp and pointy that they felt that they could throw. And of course the people retaliated and fired into the crowd and it wasn't a massacre. It was only like four people. And that's a censorship lie that we tell our kids as they're learning in school that, oh, we didn't do anything. They were always the bad guys in this situation. A unification of art where no one gets a real Fuck yeah. Hi, I'm Milk. And I'm Erin. Uh, we're the hosts of Nymphomercial. It's a podcast that reviews hentai. And I guess, like, right off the bat, let's say what hentai is, because some people don't know. Some people think it might be some type of, like, necktie. Uh, I, I mean, they do have hentai neckties. Yeah. Uh, hentai is a usually originates Japanese animated porn. Yeah. So um, it's like anime, but sexual. Yeah, there's also like uh, illustrated novels, uh, manga, and then hentai can be referred to as like also like hentai manga where it's, you know, illustrated pornography from Japanese origins. Uh, Some people sometimes use it hentai as an umbrella term for anything that's like cartoon, animated or drawn. Uh, Some people are very strict to the the idea that it's Japanese related because the the term is Japanese origin, meaning um, like creepy person. And it just kind of worked its way into a different meaning of, you know, this animated sexual content. Yep. But, like, even that that origin, like, creepy person, it shows the, like, stigma that, like, even for people who don't know what the word came from, they they still have that stigma. They think, oh, this is someone weird. They, like, animated pornography. And it's, like, it's not really that weird. It's pretty normal for people to have a sex drive. Yeah. Or not. Exactly. Or not. Yeah. Be interested in art. Maybe involving naked people. Doing sexual things. Maybe not. There's all sorts of reasons why someone might like it. For me, it's because, you know, I like the artistic skill of perspective and anatomy. I'm just a horny person. Yeah. That's why I like it. And with the world of hentai, you can do more than the world of real physics. And so Mm -hmm. it also has that allure of... You can get more artistic with it. Yeah, you can explore different avenues. You can produce content you wouldn't be able to secure actual people to do. Um, You can explore certain fetishes that... uh, You didn't know you had. Yeah, there's that. (laughs) You know, there's a lot to it. And, you know, I think part of it in the West here is that, you know, anime for the longest time was already perceived as a weird entertainment or hobby some people yeah, look down on people who enjoyed weeboos. anime yeah uh weeboos and nerds yeah. and all sorts of different like slurs towards people and it's funny because nowadays a lot of the slurs are not slurish like they're they've kind of been, endearing yeah and they've, they've been like been, retaken taken yeah. back um so that's starting to get normalized like you know there, there's 
there's not this like call of uh, fan specific anime. Like you can just be a regular person and enjoy some anime. And I feel like hentai is the next like thing happening. Like anyone who who enjoys like any type of pornography Mm -hmm. has probably seen anime porn, and they're yeah, and they're probably understanding now it's not a taboo thing. Like you can enjoy pornography and like hentai in the same way. You don't have to feel weird or or bad about it. It's just the same content, but made differently. Yep. It's uh, it's something that is a big part of the show, you know. Nymph- nymphomercial, we we talk about that a lot. We also talk about how like it's a a good outlet to explore certain fetishes that you may uh, be a little bit more apprehensive to in there, a real life yeah, setting. Yeah, it's kind of realizing there are healthy avenues to take. Yeah, if you're not more of the mainstream. And it's okay to talk about them, and it's healthy to talk about them, and healthy to explore what you feel comfortable exploring. Yeah. Uh, Animated pornography has a way to really distinguish the difference between fantasy and reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people have fantasies that they're not too comfortable with, Uh, maybe like sadism or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, something similar. And seeing things happen to an actual person, whether it's staged or not, could be a little bit too much. But but the nice thing about hentai is, you know, this is never a real person, and it helps you be comfortable in knowing, like, this is purely fantasy. I don't it's want safe. this in real yeah. life. This is safe. This is an outlet for anything I want. Um, I know some people who have anxiety and the fact that they don't have to see, like, a real person yeah. at all, like, even just yep. very vanilla porn, they're like, oh, that's someone, that's a person that could yeah. judge me. They they resort to, to hentai because mm-hmm. they also, can, you know, feel safe. Not always, but usually it's less physically graphic than looking at actual human parts. Yeah. Which that, I know was kind of what got me into it initially. Yeah, I remember you saying that there there's times you just don't have the fortitude, I guess, of like looking at yeah, it's, real humans. Yeah, it's more just like, oh, body parts, oh, that's a bit much, but I want the context. Yeah. And the context of the situation and the story is what does it for me. Uh, speaking of body parts, um, while it's it has the problem as, you know, every type of media of portraying certain body types that are less um, common, you know, mm-hmm. kind of idolizing yes. certain proportions, there's still a lot of content of every type of body. Oh, yeah. And so I feel like um, it, it does a better job at showing off different body types than regular pornography. Not that regular pornography doesn't have that content. It's a lot easier to it's find It's easier to find. As you're looking through, like, hentai there's archives. definitely a bigger variety. You will, yeah, you'll mm-hmm. see all sorts of different type of people more often. Um I also feel that things like LGBT hentai is mm-hmm. a little bit more accessible by actual LGBT creators rather than, yeah. you know, like, if you look up lesbian porn because it's you're a lesbian. made for men. Yeah. Yeah. And that problem still exists in hentai. Hentai has a lot of the same problems actual pornography mm-hmm. does in the industry. But I feel like some of the th- changes we want to see, like, you know, LGBT creations that, that show like what the actual culture and life is yeah. like. It's easier to find and it's because it's 
not necessarily easier to create, but I feel like more people feel safer creating something because they're able to illustrate rather than, you know, find actors or be an actor, actress themselves. I would much rather draw someone naked than have myself touched in any physical (laughs) way on camera. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, the next time you you see, like, anime porn, you may, like, chuckle. You're like, oh, (laughs) anime titties. But, like, just realize, you know, it's it's the same thing as everything else. It's just uh, illustrated version of lewd content. And it's normal. Like, you know, get your rocks off on it. Like, there's no judgment. So, yeah. um, You know, if you're, you're interested in hentai more... Go go digging. Um, it's all over the internet. In fact, there's something called Rule 34. You might not want to just Google hentai because there's. You might not know what you're getting yourself yeah, into. Yeah, it's like we said. You can explore more fantasies and more things. So yeah, and maybe you don't very, just jump yeah. into the deep end. You can get very specific in your searches with hentai and have a lot more come up. Yeah. It, like you can say a whole storyline and a hentai is going to come up. Where yeah. if you do that with live action porn, that doesn't happen. Yeah, there's definitely more storytelling, um, and that's how we have a whole podcast is because yes. there's storytelling. <laughs> otherwise, it would be... With good like, and bad translations. Other, yeah, otherwise our, our show would be like 10 minutes of being like, and then they booped, yep. you know? <laughs> but yeah, there's there's storytelling and very specific tags and categories if you're into specific things like Striped underwear is a tag. There's a Japanese word for it they use more often, but, like, that's how specific it is. So if you're someone who who really wants, like, only specific things, uh, hentai might be for you. It it definitely is a community that is built more around comfort, I think. Yes. Um, So, yeah, if you are more interested but still don't want to jump into the internet for it, just go check out Nymphomercial. We are on the same platform that you're listening to this on, most likely, unless you're on SoundCloud. But, yeah, we're wherever you find podcasts. And, you know, just whatever you do out there, uh, good luck on your erotic endeavors. Bye, guys. What happened? This is awful. If I could return it, I would. It's like Monopoly, but under the guise of life. It's changed. Just terrible. The entire game. We even reread the rules multiple times to make sure we were playing it right. Completely unrealistic. What? A hunk of garbage. Submit! Submit! Experiment Water Covers Grimes We appreciate cover We appreciate
Thou shalt not choose, things are chosen for you. In the US, literature started with James Bond, no? We are one smartphone away from complete existential dread. Now we focus on an implied terror. Not on the natural evil that had to result from collapse of monarchies, etc. Degenerated art. These days though, we live in illusion. I'm not good at pretending. My life is all about provocation. But in this world, lost. Very, very lost. I got angry. Ah. More pills. How is the Flom Crusade doing? Did we conquer Los Angeles at least?
this was Year of the Goat with Avaricia. And check out the accompanying music video featuring dancer Courtney Stolton at flom.us slash redacted. For more metal slash occult rock imported from Sweden, head to facebook.com slash year of the goat. And that's all I have to say on the matter. I think my presentation for an update to the employee handbooks criterium for proper clothing etiquette is succinct. Mm. It is modern. And the board of directors has no choice but to approve. Uh, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Wendy, can you describe what you're wearing right now? That goes to a level of potential HR issues. You're wearing two flags, the Mexican flag and the American flag, sewn together as a poncho. Mm-hmm. With, a, with an intertube, yes. With an intertube? With, I'm, there's an intertube under the ah, poncho. That explains the roundness. I was curious. Mm, uh, you, are, you are going along a lot of HR lines right now, okay. Mr. Well, no one's recording this Smith. conversation. Yes, Mr. Smith. Wendy, I'm Mr. Smith, your boss. I'm Wendy. You're Wendy. Wendy. Wendy Henningham. Yes, Wendy Henningham. You good? I know my own name. I'm just checking. Do you know your name? You seem to have bumped your I head. I think you forgot your name. <laughs> no, Mr. What's Smith. your name? Okay. What's your first name uh, Mr.? Yes, actually. I'm Mr. Mr. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's a sad thing. They, I was born, they said that kid looked like a mister and it stuck and then uh we my family immigrated i don't need to hear your backstory mr mister i don't think anyone on this board needs to hear your backstory we just Where's need you to there, sign okay first off mm-hmm. this isn't a board you're you're an employee mm-hmm. so putting a bunch of stanzies from hot topic that you bought is not a board you just brought these chris in. angel is a legitimate board director Okay. I ha- he has a name tag that says board director. You definitely stuck a name tag on him. Great. All right. Well, the bending over Molly Cyrus is giving me nightmares. So I'm just going to take your employee handbook. Yes. I'm going to pass it up the chain. Okay. We're going to move it around. We're going to see what's right. going on. I feel like there's a connection, Mr. Mr. What? I feel like there's a connection. To who? The way you just, to me, to us, the way you just took my handbook. Uh, Are we going to have more HR issues? No, we're not. Uh, no, we're not. We might, no. as I take all of the supplies off your desk. <sighs> well, Mr. Smith, you've done it again. Not a good tagline? It's no, I think, I think now I just want to leave this. Yeah, see now? Terrible, so now don't you feel bad? It's a terrible line. Yeah, it's a terrible That's tagline. A terrible. It's I can't believe somebody with such a terrible tagline is trying to hit on me. That is... There you go. That is This is how I disgusting. Leave. You know, we're not going to have this internet like this forever. Someone's going to wake up and and shut everything down. I would say at this point, online censorship is becoming the norm, but it's, it's not really what we expected. And I'm saying things like community standards, which really goes back 
to when the government was defining what equals adult content and pornography within an actual community. Uh-huh. But this community standards doesn't necessarily get defined by the community. It gets defined either by one person or a person who's in charge. Well, basically, I feel I have a lot of feelings about that, um, specifically in regards to the idea of community standard, because that term kind of goes hand in hand with, like, for example, like terms of service and the community standard, another form of terms of service that both like Instagram and I believe Twitter also has. I feel like censorship, the, you know, it wasn't with one heavy fist. Like, are you familiar with FOSTA-SESTA? I've been reading up on it, and and I'm hoping you're going to go over because I know you're more familiar. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, hello. Uh, My name's Erin Taylor. I'm a writer based in Brooklyn. I also do sex work, which obviously will influence my writing and my artistic practice, which is also seen within my meme page at ATMZ. That's who I am. That's me. What is FOSTA, SESTA, and how did it get through, and what was the argument for their side? So FOSTA-SESTA basically was a law that was quickly pushed in through April 2018, and they basically put the word trafficking on it, because the whole idea was to stop sex trafficking online, right? And that was their whole reasoning. But it was a really broadly written law that could apply to a lot of different things. And also, if anything, it's it's been noted as a failure, like especially recently, there's been a lot of discussions that even for like its intended purpose, it was a failure. And the reason is, is because so many people that previously were able to work safely by finding their clients online, you know, were completely unable to because a lot of them couldn't afford like the ridiculous expenses of some of the advertising sites plus they can't have you know bank accounts linked to your advertising sites you have to have access to bitcoin otherwise they'll shut down your bank account so what are like what are poor like working women gonna do you know what i mean like they end up being in different like worse situations and managed spaces here comes the problem with reading an even grayer area under criminalization where like for example if someone really was being trafficked they are unable to go to the police without criminalizing themselves do you see do you see the problem so like it this only increased under fosta sesta like it was already a problem before that and now it's even worse and like literally all it it even did was target sex workers and then by targeting sex workers it only led to targeting other marginalized groups that also exist under marginalized sexuality such as queer folk and you know like like people that aren't white and thin and you know cis like you see what i mean so it wasn't like sex workers were the main target but it ended up hitting like a ton of groups at the same time and basically what it did was it made it where third-party platforms like could be held responsible for what the individuals on their platforms whether it be in an app a website, however the platform is, could be like held legally responsible. Kind of like the bar is responsible for the person who drank too much and is heading home. Uh, that That is something that could be said, except like, because for example, when you're at a bar and a, that person is obviously harming themselves, yeah. correct? Like that person like is over drinking, like they've obviously soaked with the rat bounds, you know? But the problem is when we're talking about things such as, for example, sex workers or queer identity being expressed online or anything that isn't within the norm of what is a community standard. Because the idea of a community standard also implies a certain set of values that everybody has. But the thing is, that's just not how it is. 
first of all, but also like this idea um, of community standards being applied to the internet is also really bad. And the fact that, you know, for example, like Instagram has multiple various communities all existing within it, correct? Like, and so, and so when certain communities are targeted, which is what we're seeing after FOSTA-SESTA, like directly in regards to, you know, having to deal with community service and, you know, terms of service and the, the guidelines, the community guidelines, that's what they always say, like, we end up actually having just targeted discrimination, discriminatory practices across like multiple, you know, like, cause the idea of the internet is like, it's this marketplace, right? Of like ideas and communities and identities. But if you create a system in which Facebook, which owns Instagram, you know, which, you know, like, like if that is one of those situations where like that's being applied to the whole, cause we do have monopolies cause we simply, we just do, um it ends up having like multiple people like pushed off an app and then those ideas never reaching any kind of mainstream acceptance or even view do you think it was intended to be a good thing but they were just misinformed i mean this is the group who thinks the internet is a series of tubes still (laughs) (laughs) no yeah i do think it was smart i think i think implying ignorance to the government is really forgetting their impact you know like they know what they're doing they don't, here's the thing, they don't care. And the thing is, I think they don't truly actually care about sex workers or poor people or anybody who's living within a marginalized situation. And it goes hand in hand also with like, there's a reason um, that, you know, the ice raids happened during the same period where like so many things were happening, you know, like it literally like Operation Cross Country, that is. Um, you know, like it's because they go hand in hand, like, you know, they target certain groups of people that often can overlap and then they just like annihilate them. And like, the thing is, I do think that the government purposely was targeting, um, sex workers with FOSTA SESTA and not just for that reason, but I also feel like it created a normalization of censorship that the government is very happy to have happen. Like, cause think about it, like in this day and age, everybody knows it's happening everyone has seen it or has heard of it happening to someone, but at the same time, it's just like continues to happen. And it's like, I don't know, just become like an acceptable fact about being online. But the thing is, it's only for those people who aren't actually being impacted by this because the people who are being impacted by this aren't there to talk about it. You see what I mean? Like it's, it, it's such a classic silencing and then just pummel until everyone, you know, it's horrible. It's awful. But no, it was purposeful. They're not dumb. They know what they're doing. We can't act like, I don't know, that the U.S. government hasn't been horophobic for a long time. And especially now when we have, like, Trump in office, who's just a pure rapist, misogynist, you know? Like, we all know these facts about him. He doesn't give a hoot, you know what I mean? Even though, like, 100% he's seen a worker before, you know? So we know all that. So it's like, it's, it's all it's hypocrisy. You know? It's just complete hypocrisy. So shadow banning. Um, I keep writing to people who don't know what it is, believe it or not. And I think it's because it hasn't yeah. happened to them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. No, that's how it works, right? Like, that's exactly. I mean, shadow banning is really fascinating um, to me. 
um, as a concept as like a person who like I don't know I get how apps work I understand but I'm just like wow like you really like with Instagram yeah no like you get reported once and then all of a sudden it's like a week and then but it can be expanded depending on how many times you get reported so there are people that are permanently shadow banned a, a year. year my band's been going on for a year because of uh three perceived adult images that were all um pieces of modern art right no exactly yeah, no, yeah. like, it, again, it's hitting everything. And it, it and then with, like, Twitter, that's also a thing. And not just, like, is it, you know, you're not showing up in hashtags. Like, when your name is typed in, you're not even there. Like, they have to type it out fully. With Twitter, you have to go directly to the account. Like, you don't even actually know if, like, the one you typed in is, like, the right one, you know? And then on top of that, you only reach, like, 10% of your followers. And I know this because, like, when I was interviewing for that bitch piece, like, I interviewed, like, five different people and then on top of that like like really intensely people that have like 30,000 followers right who are getting only like 200 likes on a pic when usually they get like a thousand you know like there's a definite difference and not just that it's like I don't know it's like it's so paternalistic shadow banning it's, it's, like, it's like putting baby in the corner and being like no one can hear you now and not just that no one should be hearing you like this idea that like the actual consumer not consumer because that feels too capitalistic but the actual person viewing an image or an idea has you know can't make up a mind for themselves about how they want to interact with it so they decide to censor it whether that be by completely like taking down someone's account, which they are not afraid to do with no ability, of course, to like follow up and be like, Hey, like what the hell? Cause they'll just ignore you. Like, you know, but, or yeah. to something like shadow banning, which is just cause with shadow banning. It really, you do sound paranoid when you're like, I'm shadow banned. Well, you don't know. It, sounds, it just happens. Well, you, you can test. There are ways to figure out cause you can make a friend go try to look for you, you know, on like a health account. So what are some of the places you write for? I've been writing since I was 19 and the majority of the stuff I was writing earlier was one like set of poetry, which like I've been published like in various places, but recently I've been focusing more on nonfiction. Like I wrote that piece for bitch recently, which dealt with specifically sex working queer meme pages um, on Instagram being censored as a result of FOSTA SESTA. I interviewed five meme page owners of both queer and sex working meme pages. So some of the people were, you know, they were like lesbian memes that would be like censored for using the word dyke, things like that, which they're allowed to use the word dyke. I mean, like, like if you're like fucking dyke, you're a dyke, you know, like it is what it is. But because having a marginalized sexual identity of any kind, you're automatically put in this situation where your identity is sexualized as a whole. And so anything posting, anything regards that, like they shadow ban, for example, the hashtag for just hashtag lesbian. So anything that had the hashtag of lesbian wasn't seen by a great, like a great group of people. And then you go on to like the sex work element, which is like a whole other element of just like people, like, for example, having work accounts where they're trying to find clients, which like, you know, like there aren't that many like free and safe platforms to be able to do that. So social media, such as Twitter and Instagram are like really important for that. So those pages are being targeted, but even just people who are like out porn stars, they might never post anything in regards to their work, you know, never post anything nude on their Instagram. And the next thing you know, they're, it's just gone, you know, like these things have happened to so many people that, I mean, eventually I was like, I just have to like write about that, not just write about it, but also like, just like bring awareness to the majority of people that don't realize that these things are happening. Cause like to me, when I, when FOSTA-SESTA happened, 
which eventually led to both like Backpage going down, Craigslist Personals being taken away. The day Craigslist Personals was taken away was actually, I don't know, I like, I cried that day. I like went on my roof and I smoked a cigarette and I called my mom and I was like, you know, mom, this is a really bad sign. Like, this is really terrifying. I mean, because I had just been doing a six month in field case study on censorship in Thailand. And so like, I was already kind of in this mindset of, I mean, like we have to be so on top of how we value like community spaces and who we allow in community spaces. And so when people take away things like, and like for example, Backpage was huge when it came to falling down because like with Backpage, it, it made the difference between like life and death for a lot of people. And then overnight it was just gone. And then recently, I don't know if you paid attention or heard about it on your sphere of Twitter about how if maybe like, a week and a half ago 200 different accounts of sex workers all of a sudden were asked to verify their phone numbers out of nowhere which obviously not everyone's going to have their actual phone number attached to their twitter because it's easily hackable you don't want clients finding it you know like there are reasons for the people that had like twenty thousand followers like all of their livelihood were there and then all of a sudden it was just gone overnight years of work and like that's the thing like, when people think about censorship you know, especially like, you know, when we think about censorship, we think of this like idea of like, yeah, like Orwellian, like full control of information. But really what we've done is we've created this situation where the US government is pushing its own agendas about who can be allowed online, who's allowed to exist in online in digital spaces, which parallel who exists in real spaces, as I'm sure you're aware. But we just push it onto party platforms such as like, you know, like Facebook, um, all of Google, like Google will go in and take off like your stuff from your drive and like erase your pictures. Like people, I know people have had that happen to them. Obviously, like don't even get me started having to deal with financial institutions. And like, if you if you if you've done porn, you can't open bank accounts in a lot of banks, you know, they will not let you if you've been an adult performer, you know? And that's the most, one of the most acceptable forms of sex work. So what is a sex worker today? I, I remember the closest we got to mainstream understanding that was like a few episodes of LA Law back in the 1980s. <laughs> well, that's a really complicated and difficult question to answer because, so on a broad scale, uh, like the reason we use the term sex worker, that's why it's the politically correct one is due to the, which at the same time, there are debates about like just language, but this whole has have come to, but basically like a sex worker is anyone that exchanges like sexual and like sensual intimacy for like basically their livelihood. So like, for example, that includes like full service sex work, um, stripping, dancing, you know, dom work canning porn sugaring could fall under it even though everyone has their own opinions but like sugaring falls under it you know my opinion and so like and then there are all like these levels to it of course because everyone is different you know interactions the police that's what i'm saying there is no real like way of what because like for example like like there are people that you know make uh, more money than i could even understand you know and then there are also people who, you know, they're like working like like there's street workers, like there are a lot of people that, you know, and then there's also a huge differentiation in political spaces for that, because like, for example, like a person who is also like is fully a sex worker, like does sex work and works indoors and might have, for example, like wealthier clients are going to have a very different life than, for example, someone who, you know, predominantly works in the street and has to interact with police a lot more and are more like 
interacting with the public and a greater like threat to violence, you know? Tumblr. What do you think about what happened to Tumblr? Um, I was on Tumblr when I was younger. I definitely was very on it. I grew up on it. That is for sure. Um, I do think like I haven't been active on Tumblr in like recent years. Not that it's like, I don't know, like, I don't know. It kind of created, like, it kind of became, like, I found Twitter and that was it for me. You know what I mean? But I will say, um, after the porn ban, um, which was also a direct result of FOSTA SESTA, and this is also, like, you know, obviously, yeah, Yahoo came in and, like, you know, that impacted, like, just the general user base and the way the app was working. Not app, but, like, you know, the website. Sorry. But on the app as well, but um but here's what's interesting is after the porn ban the website got overran by nazis yeah like literally like in that that's another question going on about like censorship right like we ban porn from tumblr and then all of a sudden it's overwrought by like white supremacist alt-right nazis yeah literally where you go on that app, like on that website now like it's just and it used to be, like, for me, like, as a young queer woman growing up in Oklahoma, like, Tumblr was one of the first places I was able to, like, openly express any hint of sexuality in a space that felt safe and comfortable. And now it is this, oh, it's like this graveyard of intellectual and queer thought overwrought by just the biggest scum known to man, you know? So when I think of Tumblr, I just, I feel very, I honestly feel very depressed. Like, I feel like it is... It was the, like, Tumblr was of the period between the old internet and the corporate internet. It was, it was, like, that was the death of the internet. I feel like the porn, the porn band was, like, the beginning of, like, I don't know. Just, like, it's gone now, you know? The spark's gone. Here in Sacramento on Wednesday, October 16th, right at the Hacker Lab, which can be found on 17th and I, downtown Sacramento. Come at 6.30 p.m., free and open to everyone, is a discussion by Steve Mahalo about how old and new things can come together, old practices with new technology, putting in the right context and making things unbelievable happen. Zack Interactive Presence. Looking behind Radio Flum. New tech is really just old tech. With Steve Mehalo. Details at flum.us slash behind Radio Flum. Brought to you by the makers of Carter's Little Liver Pills. The laxative with the two-way action. That Carter's Little Liver Pills bring added relief. By waking up the flow of a very important digestive juice. So take advantage of this two-way action and ask for Carter's Little Liver Pills, the laxative with the two-way action. My name's Lucas Lavilliatar. I'm from Bay Area, California. I currently reside in uh, Richmond, but I'm from, like, San Rafael area. Originally born in Sacramento, and uh, I'm here at the NorCal Noise Fest. My artist name is Infinex Huma. That's who I performed under tonight. Uh, it was actually supposed to be a dark ambient set, a little harsh dark ambient set, but it came out a lot louder, more towards like a death industrial noisy set 
because of the, I guess, the way my mixer interacted with the speakers, and there was some feedback coming back from that microphone. So that was a too long of an introduction. <laughs> that that's perfect well, though. You know exactly who you are. It, it you, you know you already answered one of the first questions. The venue has influenced the performance, right? Just because right. of speakers. Somewhat, yeah. Um, I had a couple questions. First of all, you had this this outfit on. You had the uh, reflective vest, usually used yeah. in construction. You had the hard hat on. Yeah. You also had glasses in your mask. Was there significance behind that? Are you have you worked in construction? Was it just? Uh, I have. Yeah, that was that was my construction hard hat when I used to work you, you construction. You mentioned was so so you used to. I used to work construction. Yeah, okay. and that that was my hard hat. Um, the vest I just got later. If you pay attention closely on the little reflective part, it says hard work, low pay. That's yeah. kind of reflective of. Uh, Kind of, you Sounds know, the, right. the artist life. Not that I'm a full-time artist because, you know, I have a job. Right. But anyway, it reflects that. Um, the vest is kind of like, because Infinex Yuba is a, it's like a journey project. So, it, you know, it's a journey for me, like, subjectively and, uh, you know, objectively. It has a storyline, but it also has significance to me. And the, the hard hat and the construction vest, that came later for, like, some more recent performances because it's kind of like armor to navigate through the you know the journey of infinix Huma. so so the with the mask and all that are you trying to like hide your identity or something with that is it no. a persona thing more so no i've performed no. without without a mask just so looks it's, cool. it's no it's just it's like i said it's a it's part of the infinix Huma journey and it's okay. armor to until more things get discovered maybe more pieces will come off but at the point right now in the infinix Huma journey the mask is suitable for where the music is at it's kind of a it's kind of a you know narrative interpretation. It's not really a so so speaking of your narrative, I noticed you had there are a couple of things I noticed. First of all, the the drone that you had, which uh, it's I know it's kind of what it is uh, for lack of a better term. I really enjoyed that. I actually kind of got kind of into the zone really listening to that. It was really I, I enjoyed it a lot. But um, I, I wanted to ask you about. The, I noticed you had wind chimes, and I also noticed that you, at one point, you, I don't know what it's called, you smashed the, the, the necklace. Um, it's not a rosary. I know you're probably thinking it's a rosary, but it's right. actually beaded, so. Okay. Yeah. But the, um, so what was the significance of that? Uh, well, you know, uh, last year uh, on the journey, uh, something happened. I got out of, like, kind of regular life. I was I was in a, it might be a little long explanation. I don't know. Oh, that's no, not I was in a, a public safety um, academy. I injured myself, kind of went on a rebellion adopted a little bit of a hateful mentality and a lot of that jewelry had a kind of mirrored that energy and also spawned from that mind state and it kind of subsequently um, allowed me to have a lot of material gain this year but it caused me to lose something that I really that was really really destroyed me so now I'm fighting back and that's why that's why I destroyed that tonight is uh, doing this expression helping you get all that back it's not, but it's helping me come to terms with it and myself and realize that I, I need, you know, things that I need to do personally, so. It's really interesting. I really like that, like, obviously it's not going to get that back, but the way that you're really uh, uh, putting your energy into something constructive and something that will, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but something very constructive that'll help you, like you just said, get through it and be able to continue on. Somewhat, and kind of realize that, you know, correct some of the things that were wrong. Like, a lot of that had carried an energy that I, I don't want anymore. So, you know, the inverted cross, I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian warrior against the inverted cross. People have their religious beliefs, but all that, all those pieces were, were um, mirrored negativity to me, so... 
it's your thing tonight you know it's it. about you and your your process yeah. and everything right yeah and so when you sorry if i'm gonna ask the question which drone specifically were you talking about there was one point where there was the very the sort of the very long pulses and it kind of felt like it was actually pulling me it was felt like waves that were actually pulling me back and forth with the within. black wind chime the part uh, the black i think so yeah. yeah it was somewhere around there yeah with the black yeah. wind chime it's, it kind of felt like the the waves of sound were sort of pulling yeah. me in and out of uh for lack of a better term the music that you were doing and yeah. it was it was um, you got an android phone like yeah uh, that's a free app. You can download that app. That, uh, I was droning some of that with it. I had a second drone that was a physical hardware piece, and some of the drones came from the from the sampler. But the one you're talking about, I know which one you're talking about. I'm really glad you like that because that came from a free app. So, so you're just yeah, yeah. using all sorts of different pieces, all right? Different stuff. Yeah. Uh, how much of... equipment do you have going on in one performance? Uh, right there, I had an SP404 sampler, a Yamaha MG10 mixer. I had one, two, three, four, five effects pedals and one drone pedal that is it doesn't go through a loop it just goes directly out into the mixer and then i had the cell phone and then i had the wind chimes which were transferred through the microphone i i always see something new in every performance i've never seen wind chimes i never would have expected wind chimes at a as a noise thing they they came out a lot noisier than they were supposed to be when i practiced at home it, it you actually heard the tones and it had a really nice effect when i messed with the harmonizer uh i mean the harmonist sorry the boss harmonist it had a really great thing i was trying to do but didn't work out for this show so hey, adapt yeah adapt. yeah just gotta adapt and grow how long have you been part of the the noise uh like uh, community not that long because i really started out i was more of a dark ambient guy that's kind of how my you know journey began uh i started doing dark ambient back in like 2012 or something like that and i liked all the you know atrium carceri lust mord all those guys you know the original i don't know if you know about dark ambient stuff but dark ambient was my my thing raison d'etre all that and uh, then I just, you know, as the project got closer to me, I was able to mirror like harsher things that happened throughout the journey. And then I kind of do some noisy, harsher industrial stuff too. But I like to always bring it back to, to dark gaming. So it sounds like, uh, you know, your performance is constantly changing just with you, all right? Kind of, yeah. Infinite Zoom is kind of a varying project. I try to keep it within the, you know, I'd say harsh, at times noisy, dark ambient, because dark ambient's the root, but yes, it does vary sometimes, and stuff like this, when you have to adapt, it came out like a death industrial set almost, so. And then really quick, where can people find your stuff? Uh, you can find it all over, just just type Infinex Huma and Google, and you get all my sites and whatever, and I got, you know, CDs here if you want, and whatever you want to do, so yeah, you can find it everywhere. I'm, I'm on all the sites. Yano, dress for sex, official. You were waiting for me, patiently, while the rain's dripping over your head. Motivating me in a thousand degrees, in the sun I will never forget. Kinda recognize the truth, I've been at it every day and I'm on my way. Wanna give it all to you. Addict for your loving and all your pain. Oh, so 
with plenty left Angels singing in my head I'm just an F for them And a mic just for their tags Pocket full of dead presidents And I got no witnesses Nobody got a no ballin' when I'm in the trenches Minding my own business Where did all the love go? Everyone's just trust for sex Understand that you're not the best Put the talk straight through a test Guess that thing I do is flex Hope you don't ever run out of checks One night stands are not the best That all messes with my head, yeah When I'm not around now I'm busy getting rich Rich, rich, rich When she hit the town now You know she dressed for sex Sex, sex, yeah. sex Dress for sex, that's what's next, whoa Everybody does their best Bridges up on a jet, looking forward to what's next. They screaming, hearts bleeding, asking when I'ma drop the rest. Feelings you can't regret, decisions you can't forget. Might be dreaming this evening, cause hate that she's my ex. God, please give me a long life. Every day's another paradise. Learn to appreciate what's right. AC with the drinks on ice. Got me seeing twice Out of space and I'm back to life I want this to be every night Yeah, night, yeah Backseat of that Maybach Run to recognize the truth I've been at it every day And I'm on my way Wanna give it all to you I've been at it for your love And in all your pain You were waiting for me Dripping over your head Motivated me In a thousand degrees In the sun I will never forget Kinda recognize the truth I've been at it every day And I'm on my way Wanna give it all to you I'm an addict for your loving And all your pain So in my early years of interneting, back when I still had a Tumblr, uh, there were a few times where I would get like messages from different people to tell me that other people, um, usually on Tumblr, but I think a couple times they also had Facebooks and Instagrams were using my pictures um, and pretending to be me. Um, and I would message these people, like, hey, I'm not mad, I just want to know why, and, um, if you could please delete this account and all your other ones, because I already have problems with my personality, and I, I, 
it doesn't really help that other people are going around and pretending to be me or me with a different, like my face, but with different names and uh, things like this. And they uh, pretty much all had the same response. Like they would delete their accounts and we stayed friends after and they were just really lonely people who thought that I was attractive for attracting other attractive people, but I didn't look too, like, too likely to be fake or whatever, um, which is what some had told me. I think two told me that. Um, Sponsored in part by Don't you wish you knew who that is? Well, you can't. Because other people insist on controlling what you see and do for the safety of others. Bet you didn't even know you had it in you. Carter's little liver pills. They do the work of without the danger of So you can when your pants are down and fall over the fixafile.com Want to get past the sensor? Print with fixafile today. Diego Val at diegoval.com and lthmmusic.com Seventh Swami at seventhswami.com and our distinguished sponsor, Squadcast.fm, remote interviews for professional podcasters. Get around the limitations of other remote podcast recording tech. Record all of your uncensored podcast interviews and with Squadcast.fm. Oh shit, 
I think Jesus just shot them in the legs. From Sacramento, the heart of California and around the world. This has been Radio Flom. Featuring a cast of dozen. Apparent on tonight's episode, in order, or, Borky. Modern Meme. Jeanne Mehalo. Kelsey Kuknik. Red Fox. Dina Washington. George Carlin. Lenny Bruce. Harry James. Steve Mehalo. Chad André. Seven Swami. Milk Surface. Amu. Jenny Soto. Dollface. Savannah. Ruby Roth. Erin Sheradomo. Project Wire. Christian Angorem. Year of the Goat. Jeu de pré Kevin Scott Brownov Danger Us. Dimitri Shostakovich. Erin Taylor. Luca Levitar. Gian Ostiz. Buter Béan N. Suzy. Jésus. Enki Doke. Continuity Provided by. Our Anissé. Jason Spear. Audrey Daguette. And Maybe Cliff Allen. Radio Flom is produced by. Steve Mehalo and Milk Surface himself. Sim Music by Chelsea Davis. Sound Design and Engineering by Steve Mehalo. Radio Flom. Is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License, however, recorded of contributor or guests of Radio Flom are still protected under International Copyright Law. All episodes can be downloaded for your convenience. Radio Flom. Content works featured for review, opinion critique and or artistic transformation and will contain adult content and nudity. Flom is. Afo Modern Art Movement, Art History Resource, that promote learning and education through new and alternative media. Flom is. Your online connection to Art History, Music and Beyond moins through Instagram, Twitter and other social media. We are all Flomists. You can be too. Donation graciously accepted at patreon.com bar oblique flomu. Or just buy us a coffee at flom.us bar oblique coffee. We are arrobase flomu on most social media. Flom is sometimes explained, but usually not. This is Cliff Allen saying thank you for listening. And if you don't like this podcast, do something about it. The boss who came into my office. Yeah, well, I brought the entire board of directors in here. Yeah, okay. The Grimace is not a board of directors. He is definitely a board of directors. That is an actual man in a Grimace costume. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I had no idea. He was standing so still. He's real good at his job. He's really good. His name's Ted. His family immigrated. I don't need his backstory. I don't need his backstory. Yeah, yeah. Edit, Edit all that out. Should I start over again? Yeah, let's start over.